If you are deconstructing something and coming to the conclusion of rejecting something, odds are it's a very small version of it. And so have the intellectual integrity to maybe go on a bit of a journey to say, is there some things within this that I have missed or that I was not aware of? On to question two. No, three. <laughs> three. Okay, okay, good. No, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just a, it's just a fascinating subject for me. I just, yep. I, I love it so much. I could talk about it all day. Um, now, spiritual temperaments. Mm -hmm. Now, I had never heard of spiritual temperaments. I yep. think I knew what they were, I guess, in theory, but I had heard of spiritual disciplines, mm -hmm. which I think, I think is making a bit of a comeback in modern maybe Western theology. Yeah. I know like, you know, I grew up around Portland and <clears throat> John Mark Comer, uh, in, in bridge, at bridge, it used to be at Bridgetown. Yep. Um, he talked about those all the time. Yep. And so like we, um, in, in kind of theology would, uh, spread from Bridgetown. <laughs> and so yep. everyone was on that wavelength for yep. a while. Yep. And anyway, so dis disciplines were making a comeback and people were starting to talk about Sabbath. Mm -hmm. That was when I first introduced Sabbath into my life. Mm -hmm. um, people were talking about uh, silence and solitude. Some mm -hmm. of these words, phrases that mm -hmm. I had never heard in my growing up experience at like a Calvary Chapel, mm -hmm. and so that was really fascinating. But what what is a temperament? So mm -hmm. what does that look like, and where do we get this idea? And and yeah, just, just yeah. take us into yeah. that. <clears throat> yeah. So one of the I don't actually have the students read um, the book. Uh, itself but they do a, a test that comes from a book called what's your god's what's your god language mm -hmm. uh by myra perrine and then gary thomas has a similar book called sacred pathways and they mm -hmm. both have nine spiritual temperaments and if you were to just like google spiritual temperaments you get nine four five like uh -huh. there's it, again like they're all over the place but the book that we use in class is what's your god language mm -hmm. Um, I was introduced to it up at seminary and the kind of the difference I would make, cause what you started to describe is more, again, those are like spiritual disciplines, mm -hmm. silence, solitude, Sabbath. Um, yeah. Prayer, scripture. Mm -hmm. uh, th those are, those are, again, what are we, what are the means? Mm -hmm. What are the practices? And even what are we doing? Mm -hmm. um, but one of the questions we ask prior to that is, is who are we? Mm -hmm. Who, who is God created me to be? Um, how am I maybe uniquely wired? Mm -hmm. um, and I realized that idea of like being uniquely wired can, can appeal to our cultural sense of individualism and somehow I'm this super unique person and um, as completely unique and distinct from you. And, and I, and I push back a little bit in the class that there are, there are commonalities for all humans mm -hmm. um, and there are common practices that we all participate in Um but there is a reality of unity and diversity um, yeah. that's reflected in the triune God, you know, the Godhead, um, and reflected in humanity. And so I think something that's helpful in formation is, is becoming aware of who God created you to be. Yeah. And, you know, and I think that's what Haley touched on, you know, yeah. when she says there was, there was an increase in self-awareness, mm -hmm. not outside of gospel truth, mm. 
but together. And that's, that's the idea of double knowledge. And Calvin talks about double knowledge. Augustine talks about this. This isn't like a new concept mm. within church history. Um, but I think many of the traditions we grew up in was like, we don't, self-awareness is not an important part of our spiritual can, can formation. Can you get into quickly double knowledge? Just Cal- Calvin's idea there is that we, uh, the more we, we learn about God, the more we learn about ourselves, And okay. in one sense, the more we learn about mm-hmm. ourselves, the more we understand about God. And he mm-hmm. talks about that in the Institutes yeah. just briefly. Um, and Augustine is, you know, is, is a very self-aware person. Mm-hmm. If you read the confessions, you mm-hmm. know, but he has this, yes. but it's rooted and grounded in gospel truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so spiritual temperaments to me falls in that category of not what am I going to do, first and foremost, but who am I and how has God uniquely wired me to be? And so if you were to read the book, if you were to pick one of these up on Amazon or whatever, if people still go to bookstores, um, <laughs> yeah, you can, you can grab one. Uh, and there's, there's nine of them, but the, the spiritual temperaments are unique ways again, that, that we, uh, experience, experience God again, not outside of the more universal truths of prayer, scripture, mm-hmm. community of faith, sacrament. I'm not advocating that the naturalist, as we'll see, is one of the spiritual temperaments who experiences God in nature, mm-hmm. does so without scripture and prayer, right? right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not what I'm, I'm advocating. Mm-hmm. Um, but the temperaments are learning to become aware of our unique wiring. Mm. Um, maybe how are we uniquely wired for God to communicate his love for us? Um, I think about my kids. As you said, I have four kids, mm-hmm. Jordan, Hudson, Landon, and Peyton. Mm-hmm. Six, almost 16, 14, 12, and 8. They're all within a few months of bumping up mm-hmm. uh, an age limit. Two boys, two girls. They're all very different and mm-hmm. I've learned as a dad um, that I have to communicate with them differently. Mm. You know, I cannot communicate um, with my daughter, Jordan, the same way I do with my son, Landon. Yeah. Um, it's not, it, it's just a different relationship. Yeah. Um, she hears things differently. He hears things differently. Uh, she needs to hear different things. He needs to hear different mm. things, right? Um, same thing with Hudson and Peyton. And so as a dad, one of the things you learn about your kids is like, oh, this is, this is a unique way that I connect with this child. So if I want to connect with Landon, who's my younger son, the golf course is a great place mm. to connect with him. Yeah. He loves to go out on the golf course. He's got the temp, go back to temperament. He's got the temperament <laughs> uh-huh. for it. He enjoys it. It's three or four hours with just he and I. We have a great dialogue. It's un, it's it's uninterrupted. It's not distracted. Um, that's not how I'm going to connect and communicate with my daughter Peyton. Mm-hmm. You know, Peyton wants to come home mm. from her day of school. She's got thirty things she needs to tell me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she got them all laid out, <laughs> and she needs to walk around the backyard with Dad uh-huh. and talk to me. The whole time I'm weeding my flower bed or whatever. <laughs> um, my oldest daughter, if I want to have meaningful communication with mm-hmm. her right now, it's she's learning how to drive. And mm-hmm. so it's like, hey, you want to mm-hmm. go drive in the car and pick up a blizzard? And that's a place where we're able to have mm-hmm. meaningful dialogue. Yeah. Um, and same thing with my son Hudson. You know, it's it's just different. So I use yes. that analogy. It's a great analogy. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're mm-hmm. just different. And why wouldn't that be the case mm-hmm. with our father and yeah. his kids? 
And so being aware of that. And so a spiritual temperament as defined um, in the book is uh, how we most deeply love and connect with Jesus. It is the way we best relate to God, namely our most natural and meaningful approach to connecting with God, knowing God, and loving God. Um, Henry Nouwen says um, this, he says, where is it that you most often hear the gentle invitation of Jesus to dwell with him? So where do you just regularly hear Jesus say, come away with me? Mm. Um, So if we use the temperaments and I'll, I'll give them to you here in a second, but, but the naturalist, as I said, experiencing God in nature, Mm -hmm. I never hear God say that. <laughs> like, come away with me to the woods with your Bible and pray. Like, that sounds scary and very confusing um, and not like a place where I would encounter God. Mm-hmm. Um, so just being aware of that, you right. know, but some people do. They yeah. they they feel a, uh, in their spiritual formation and their journey with Jesus, they come to a point where like, man, finding a place to connect with God is difficult. And man, when I go to the beach, that happens. Mm, mm-hmm. When I go up to Table Rock, that happens. Um, others, it's when I go to that chapel and I sit in the back pew mm-hmm. and it's quiet. You know, my wife and I are participating in a spiritual formation academy. It's an 18-month program. Mm-hmm. And we go up to a, a Benedictine monastery called Mount Angel up outside of Salem. And sitting in the back now, so I'm an evangelical, mm-hmm. reformed-ish Protestant pastor, yes. Southern Oregonian, <laughs> finding myself in a Catholic Benedictine mm-hmm. monastery in the back where these monks come in and they mm-hmm. pray the Psalms. It's probably incense. And oh yeah, bells. yeah, bells and smells. Yeah. <laughs> it's all over. But I have found that is a very easily accessible place for me to connect with God. Mm. That isn't distracting. Yeah. Now, for some, that would be really distracting for mm-hmm. an, a number of reasons. But learning that that is a place for me where I go, where I hear Jesus. And even when I'm there for four days, there's moments where like we're sitting in lectures and you can go on walks. But I constantly hear this like, come to the chapel. Mm-hmm. Not because God is like relegated to that space. Right. But for me, that is where I, I like come just sit for 10 minutes in mm-hmm. silence with me. Um, and Mm. so being, um, unaware of maybe some of those things in Mm -hmm. our life, I think can lead to struggle in our, in our walk with the Lord. And so just being aware, I think that self-awareness like, oh, I, this is my spiritual temperament. Yeah. This helps in my walk. Mm -hmm. So I think that's so, and especially with the example of your children, um, there is an easy, it's really easy I think today in the Instagram age to want to connect in the same way someone else does. Mm-hmm. So I remember in high school, I kept seeing these like friends or girls would post like a picture of their coffee at a coffee shop, yeah. you know, oh, this is just connecting with the Lord right now. And I was like, well, that's very, uh, that looks very nice. Yeah. And so I go to a coffee shop and I'd get all caffeinated and people would be loud. And it would just be very frustrating. <laughs> like I do not, yeah, I cannot yeah. connect with the Lord. Yeah. Just trying to make it work. Yeah. And I, I can imagine, you know, if Peyton tried to go golfing with you because you thought, yeah. well, Landon had such a great time with dad last night yes. golfing. Yes. So let me try this. And it would probably be very frustrating. And yeah, for her and I. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it's just such a, it's a, a light bulb moment example mm-hmm. um, that not only is it helpful to find 
um, that that place. But it's helpful to recognize that you don't have to have the same place as yes. your friends or your spouse. Or yes. It's not going to be the same as, um, you know, it might not be in nature and that's okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, that, so that was probably the most helpful thing for me about mm-hmm. the spiritual temperaments was it was very freeing for me. Um, because I grew up in a bit of a tradition where, um, you know, so if real quick, so the nine spiritual temperaments for anybody that's listening and that's interested, um, there's the naturalist who experiences God in nature. There's uh, the sensate who experiences God through the senses. The traditionalist experiences God through traditions, Mm -hmm. aesthetics experience God through silence and solitude activists experience God through confronting evil, which I think you kind of mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Caregivers experience God through serving others. Enthusiasts uh, experience God through celebration. Mm. Contemplatives experience God through adoration. And then intellectuals experiencing God through the mind. Mm. Um, Yeah, wow. So I grew up in 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 a around people that not only valued certain temperaments over others, but would almost demonize mm-hmm. particular temperaments. So yeah, I could agree with you on that. Right? Yeah. Like the <clears throat> traditionalist. So I like liturgy mm-hmm. in a worship service. Yes. Um, and aesthetics. So silence, solitude. Like I don't have any problem walking into a, a church that's sanctuary is more ornate. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't phase me. I, I don't... This is on public record now. (laughs) One of the most moving experiences I personally ever had with the Lord was at um, uh, a funeral service uh, for my wife's grandmother, who was a Catholic. Mm -hmm. And so it was like a Catholic mass slash burial funeral service. Mm -hmm. And again, I realized why some people that that isn't life-giving for. But for me, as I sat there, I was able to see all of the biblical imagery that was mm-hmm. going on personally mm-hmm. yeah. and all of the scriptures that were being referenced without chapter and verse, but I go, Oh, that's Romans. Oh, that's mm-hmm. Corinthians. That's about baptism. Mm-hmm. That's about resurrection. Yeah. And for me, it was this very moving thing. Now, you know, to the point where I've, I've told my, my guy, you know, Hey, that's how I want to be buried. So just mm-hmm. go copy the Catholic service and then just <laughs> Protestantize it a little bit for me. Exactly. Um, but it was just very moving. And so I grew up in a, in a tradition and, and around people that almost demonized that. You know, we mm-hmm. joke about bells and smells and oh, cold, dead religion. Um, mm-hmm. And as I got older, I go, that's actually for me mm-hmm. a place I connect with God yeah. <laughs> in some of those. Um, and so it was this really freeing, life-giving experience. And then it also was a good lesson to say, don't demonize somebody else's. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Right. Just mm-hmm. the, the pe- people do like going out in the woods. Yes. That's okay. Like, <laughs> and it doesn't have to be me. Mm-hmm. And my hope as a pastor and as a, a spiritual director is to help them learn who God has created them to be mm-hmm. and how he might use some of the practices of scripture, prayer, faith, community, sacrament, in conjunction with how you're uniquely wired mm-hmm. to connect with him. Um, and so those were, those are super helpful. Mm, that's so, so helpful. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really cool. It, it each, I'm sure as, as people are listening, as you were naming them off, people are thinking, Oh, I think that's me. You mm-hmm. know, for, for some people, I think I had, we had kind of conversation, we had coffee a month ago and I was telling you that, 
um, I went to a Catholic mass mm -hmm. and it was so eye-opening to me because I have had connected with the Lord and, mm -hmm. and just being there. And then I was like, I went through this crisis. Am I Catholic? <laughs> and you're like, well, maybe, maybe yeah. you enjoy the ornate. Yeah. You maybe you enjoy mm -hmm. tradition, yeah. um, the smells and, and, and yeah. these things. And uh, maybe it's not so much the theology. And yeah. I love our Catholic brethren, yeah. but um, yeah. So it wasn't those things. It was just the, wasn't the theology it was mm -hmm. just being in a holy feeling mm -hmm. place and mm -hmm. um and so i you know i think i feel weirded out sometimes when someone thinks well i connect with the lord by i pull out summa theologica by thomas aquinas yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. and i start reading through it right like, yes. you're crazy man yeah. like i you know but that's an intellectual maybe yeah. um yeah and then a naturalist and you know and yeah. so on um, to not demonize that is a yeah. really good point. Yeah. So my wife's an enthusiast. Mm -hmm. uh, historically, she's been an enthusiast, and so that's experiencing God through celebration, um, you know, worship. And so we'll get in the car, and she'll have Hillsong right blasting in the car, like up to like forty or whatever. <laughs> and she is connecting with God, and this is a great experience for her. And I walk into that, and I'm like, this is just loud. Mm -hmm chaos in my brain. I can't, I don't know how you connect with God like this. Um, and so consequently, you know, it can be harder for her to connect with God in a more liturgical service, mm -hmm. you know, and, and we have those conversations, um, especially as our church has, you know, incorporated more liturgical elements. Um, and it's a good reminder to say, wait a second, not everybody in our church is going to connect with liturgy in the same way. Mm -hmm. um, and I think there's some good reasons for why we do the things we do and the way we do them. But being aware that most likely your congregation is made up of all of these. Um, and not every church and not every service is going to be able to hit all nine, mm -hmm. you know. So some churches are going to just be prone to a, a few of them. Um, but to, to just be aware, you know, that there's more than just my way of connecting with God as if that's the only way to connect yeah. with God. So, yeah, something I had written in here, mm -hmm. um, I am curious to hear what you, you say. Is it beneficial for someone who is, say, knows what they are without a shadow of doubt mm -hmm. um, to kind of ex experiment or just to, to try other temperaments? Mm -hmm. or it, what, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? I think it's super helpful. Um, I would use the, the concept more of be, it's helpful to be aware that mm -hmm. there's more than than two or right. one, um, <laughs> that there are nine. Um because one of the things we talk about in class um, is that we are one, we're a mixture of these. So it's not rarely are you just like, I am only an intellectual. Mm -hmm. Like I cannot be moved by God outside of, <laughs> right. you know, Thomas Aquinas or uh -huh. whoever else. Yep. Um, but that our spiritual temperaments can change during seasons of life. And so to be aware. Um, so by, by just way of personal testimony, um, this has been one of the most challenging years for me personally and mm -hmm. in, in my walk with the Lord, um, in my, my ministry life, a lot of questions, a lot of struggle, a lot of doubt. And so you find yourself wanting to hear from the Lord in this, like, yeah. Lord, where are you at in this? And it, and it's been hard to find. And, and historically, um, I would consider one of my main spiritual temperaments, that intellectual where I experience God through the mind. So mm -hmm. historically, when I sense that or when I struggle, my it's not Thomas Aquinas, but, <laughs> you know, it might be Jonathan Edwards. It mm -hmm. might be, you know, reading the institutes. It might be uh, as a pastor teacher, it might be throwing myself into a new study. Right. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. uh, even even 
probably our study in Romans was motivated by that mm-hmm. a little bit, where yeah. I'm like, man, I'm struggling in my own walk with the Lord. I'm going to dive deep dive into Romans and teach through Romans at the church. Wow. Yeah. And although there's been some great things, and I think week to week that's been a good thing, and, and the Lord obviously is using that in our congregation, it didn't have the intended outcome in my personal life as mm-hmm. I'd hoped. Yeah. Um, in fact, it, it, it was really discouraging for mm-hmm. me. Because the more I study and the more questions I had and the more tensions I had to hold, the more like confused I got. And and so what I have found was that in this season, being aware of the aesthetic uh, or the ascetic spiritual temperament of silence and solitude, Mm. that became a very life-giving place for me to experience God. Whereas historically, that would not have been the case. Mm. I think that's due to, um, like I said, where I'm at personally. Um, you know, I got four kids. I'm married. Mm-hmm. I pastor a church, teach mm-hmm. at college, got a million different things. So silence is yeah. hard to find in my life. And so 15 minutes or 20 minutes of, of centering prayer in the morning, mm-hmm. it's very life-giving, mm-hmm. you know. And just to know like, oh, there's these other temperaments that are accompanied by other practices mm-hmm. That I can, like you said, maybe try for a time, yeah. knowing that I don't have to lock myself in. I think that's some of the challenges with any any sort of uh, self awareness tool, gift assessment. Mm-hmm. We limit ourselves, yeah, because we go, "Oh, I'm only this. Right. This is my so one true. spiritual gift or yeah. my one thing, or this is my temperament, or you know, the enneagram. Yeah. Like I'm a whatever." Mm-hmm. And we don't realize that these are all tools mm-hmm. that are intended to help us grow in order that Christ might be formed in us. And mm-hmm. they're, they're just tools. That's all they are. Yeah. They're not meant to limit us. Mm-hmm. They're not meant to, you know, say, oh, I, I can't ever, you know, enter into a, a, a more uh, charismatic worship service and experience mm-hmm. God because I only experience God in silence and solitude. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to limit God like that. Right. Mm-hmm. However, I do think there are ways that we are naturally mm-hmm. wired and yeah. we're different. And just respecting that difference, but mm-hmm. being aware that, hey, I'm probably a mixture of some of these. They change in seasons. Mm. Um, and that at the end of the day, um, the goal is intimacy with the Father, Son, and Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that idea of of the goal being intimacy and the truth that times and seasons change. I mean, if you think about your marriage, mm. <laughs> excuse me, um, the way we we love one another over time changes. Yeah. The way we experience intimacy with mm-hmm. one another uh, changes. And therefore, I think we're likely to find that to be true in our walk with Jesus as well. But the goal, again, is not just Mm self-awareness. It's not just self-improvement. It's it's really intimacy with the Father. Mm -hmm. And so the temperaments mixed with the disciplines, overarching spiritual formation, Mm -hmm. we have to have that clear vision. Yeah. Right? And and it's subtle because it can easily become about, like, self-help. can easily become Mm -hmm. about, you know you know, a practice like Sabbath becomes about like not connecting with God, Mm. but a break from, you know, everything I don't want to deal with, you know, and it it becomes very self-serving rather than worshipful and Mm -hmm. forming. Um, So we have to have that clear vision. Um, So I think, yeah, learn, experiment, be aware of them, be open to trying new things. Some things feel awkward, you know, Mm -hmm. we're talking about disciplines more in that than, than temperaments. Um, 
but I, I think, yeah. Yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah. Um, the, it's interesting. I didn't actually plan for this, but the, and they're not the same, but we, another book of yours for your class is streams of living water Mm -hmm. by, um, Richard Foster. Mm -hmm. Um, the premise who's actually a Quaker, I just found out, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, But he writes for a pretty general audience. You know, he's really, really excellent writer. Uh, I read a bit of it yesterday. Mm. The premise is to give the reader a deeper understanding of the, uh, the paradigms and traditions of Christian faith. And, um, and from from what I understand, so and what I mean by paradigms and traditions, or what he means by paradigms and traditions, is there's like the evangelical, which a lot of like you and I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Probably a lot of the listeners of this mm-hmm. podcast grew up in the evangelical um, tradition, uh, what is it? Char- charismatic mm-hmm. um, social justice is mm-hmm. another one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's which is kind of uh, like uh, I'm trying to think of the, th- the theological term for that. Anyways, I had mm. just read about this, but the, in uh, kind of like South America, there was mm. a big kind of uprising in mm. social justice because there was um, a lot of poverty and people were, okay, it was almost like to be, to grow spiritually uh, was to, uh, to, to, I'm getting all mixed up in my words, but to follow Jesus in the model of the, basically that the poor and marginalized, mm-hmm. the yeah. helping them was basically like the gospel yeah. truth, right? Yeah, it's a social gospel. So yeah, like the yeah. social gospel. Yeah, that's exactly. I just got lost there. But um, so there's these different paradigms. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about this book and like mm-hmm. why is it part of your class? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So Foster is a, a key voice within spiritual formation, particularly within the evangelical community. He and Willard um, have wrote extensively about these things. And so Foster has a number of books. And so the one I chose, Streams of Living Water, does just that. I think he goes through five or six um, what he calls streams. Mm-hmm. He has the contemplative stream, which is what he refers to as the prayer-filled life, the holiness stream, charismatic stream, social dus- social justice stream, uh, what he calls the evangelical stream, and then uh, the incarnational stream or the sacramental life. Mm-hmm. And so what the book does is he, he goes through each one of those, and they're fairly long chapters. They're probably 60, 70 pages a piece, mm-hmm. which I don't know about you, but I hate it when authors do that. It's just... so infuriating because <laughs> there's, no, there's no break point, mm-hmm. right? They're yeah. like, I got to commit to this thing before I feel like mentally I can take a break. So oh, I know. If the, just be... Be warned, stand warned. If you read Foster's book, be prepared to, you know, give a good hour. Yeah, it's no small book. This thing's an inch and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So he takes those six, five or six streams and he gives you a a brief outline of them. um, And then he takes one or two people from history that kind of lived and swam Mm -hmm. in that stream and says, hey, here's their life. Here's what we can learn Mm -hmm. from them. Um, And so my hope in that. Um, is one of my own parts of my journey within spiritual formation was a broadening of who I read, mm-hmm. um, what I read, you know, within evangelicalism and even for me a little outside of that. Um, but the ability to learn from people that mm-hmm. that didn't grow up in the same stream yeah. that I grew up in, you yeah. know, that said, man, the, the Christian faith for me was bigger than West Coast Calvary Chapel, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I make the joke facetiously that, you know, it, you know, God's work of the spirit didn't start in the Jesus movement mm-hmm. with Chuck Smith, yeah. you know, that, I mean, that was a work of the spirit, but it, but it wasn't as if there's like the apostle Paul and then 
just yeah. madness for 1800 years, you know? And, yeah. And then all of a sudden we finally get it together in the Jesus uh-huh. movement. It's like, no, there's, there's tradition, mm-hmm. there's church history, and we yeah. can learn from that. And I want our students at the college to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there is an ecumenicalism within the college. You know, there's a lot of different churches represented mm-hmm. and we can learn from one another. And so I want a book that challenges them to say, oh, what can I learn from a Dr. Martin Luther King mm-hmm. from the social justice stream? I don't have to agree with everything the guy said, mm-hmm. but what can I learn about the nature of the kingdom and the gospel yeah. and what Jesus might be inviting me into? What can I learn from a John Wesley? What can I learn mm-hmm. from a Jonathan Edwards? What can I learn from a John Calvin? You know, mm-hmm. Again, maybe you're not from the reformed tradition and you hear John Calvin and that's a four letter word. And you're like, I can't learn anything from that guy. (laughs) And you're like, no, you, you really can. Um, what can I learn from a Billy Graham in Mm -hmm. the evangelical movement? Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so just being open to, um, to just learn from other other people, you know, because we only know the stream we swam in. Right. And sometimes we, there's an arrogance there that thinks we've got it all figured out and everything I need is found here. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's a book that intentionally pokes mm. at that, which mm-hmm. is why you come to college. If, yeah. you, if you know, if you're coming to college to just you know have everything you've ever believed reaffirmed yeah. uh, and not challenged, then don't don't come to college. Mm. You know, like that's why you're here is yeah. to be pushed and to grow and to be challenged and to to be taught how to think, not just what to think. Yeah. So, well, uh, I remember when my wife was reading through this book, I was. Um, I was I was ready for her to get started in the charismatic tradition because I was all the I was all the ready to to be like yeah aren't they wrong <laughs> <laughs> and so um, so I was like when are you waiting to get into the charismatic tradition mm-hmm. and uh, she got into it and was like whoa okay actually there are, this is how it started because something he gets into Foster gets into is this is kind of the reason it got started kind of the like the mm-hmm. vim this is the vision mm-hmm. behind it and uh, the intention and so sometimes the the results or the outcomes are what we rub up against mm-hmm. like I don't I don't love the outcomes of this thing and sometimes uh, certain churches uh, they express themselves in a way that frustrates me right but the vision or the the intention behind the charismatic movement well was um, okay well, well it seems like things are dry let's bring the Holy Spirit back in a powerful way let's yep. um, maybe step into the, some of the callings that that Jesus put uh, in the Great Commission and yeah. um, and so I was almost I was convicted because I was ready to just talk let's <laughs> you know let's buddy buddy about oh don't we don't dislike yeah, yeah, these yeah. guys. But that wasn't what she had got. She got from out of the book that, oh, actually, mm-hmm. there's a meaning to this mm-hmm. and there's a respect for this, yeah. um, which I think is really Yeah, and cool. Foster does a good job, too, of trying to trace some of the uh, the core beliefs or even practices to an extent to biblical precedent, you mm-hmm. know, and he even sums them up uh, in a lot of ways um, in that ultimately Jesus is our example, right? And so in some ways, Jesus embodied and expressed all of these is what mm. Foster comes to the conclusion. Wow. Um, he says all these streams, he says, can find their source in the one true living water, mm-hmm. which is which is Christ. And so as the one that the author of Hebrews says we look to as the founder and the finisher of our, of our faith, um, 
we can we can look to him and say, man, Jesus prayed, um, and and therefore we listen to his teaching on the life and intimacy with God. Right? He he spent deep hours in prayer. Um, personally, we see Jesus battling Satan in the wilderness. And therefore, we listen to his teaching on the importance of being pure in heart, right? Like, so there's all of these different things um, where these traditions build on and draw from that same source. Um, and again, we're probably going to be more comfortable in one than mm-hmm. another, right? Like, we it's just, I don't want to say we are who we are, but but there's an element of like, this is the way God wired me, mm-hmm. Um but I can model a humility and an openness yeah. to, to see the kingdom as bigger than just my local church expression mm-hmm. that's very limited, Yeah, you know? Yeah, I think it, it is becoming increasingly easy to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Mm-hmm. Um, and not just at what I've noticed, actually, not so much even with other than you grew up in, but what with what you grew up in. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think... I even caught a glimpse of this in my own heart. Um, like the, with the deconstructionalist uh, movement, <clears throat> a lot of young evangelicals are just like done with evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. And they're like, let's just move on to something else. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and to think just that ev- almost to, um, to just love the idea of the other, you know, mm-hmm. the, everything else. Well, I just I like how Buddhism does does it this way, and I like how um, Catholicism does it this way. And to not th- to not look at your growing up experience, you, you can recognize where there were shortcomings, mm-hmm. um, but also if, if you're struggling with how you how you were raised, I think this is also a good book for yep. rem- for recalling the reason mm-hmm. that it is there, the reason that you mm-hmm. know because. It, it is easy to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. And I think in a day, especially when a lot of, uh, there's just been a lot of evangelicals who have fallen from grace mm-hmm. that are maybe there, there's the same amount spread from every, mm-hmm. you know, tradition, but they're just highlighted. Yeah. We're aware of it. Cause that's the stream to mm-hmm. use the language we swim in. So yeah. we're, we're, we're more yeah, aware of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, deconstruction is a whole other conversation yeah, um, totally. that's going on within evangelicalism. Um, and it is a throw the baby out with the bathwater. But but some of that is, is like you said, some of that comes from, uh, yeah, a limiting of our, um, one, just pastorally, I think it, it, we get our eyes off of Jesus and onto some sort of movement, whatever mm-hmm. it is. So that yeah. that's always a mistake. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so we reject J- Jesus in the name of the problems we have with evangelicalism. Well, we can talk about all the problems we have with evangelicalism, and I'm I'm game. Mm-hmm. Um, but won't, but talking about Jesus is different, right? Like we, it's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what um, and yeah. so I think we got to be careful with that. Mm-hmm. But I think the other thing that that happens is just just a lack of awareness of of. You reject if you are deconstructing something mm-hmm. and coming to the conclusion of rejecting something. Mm-hmm. Odds are, it's a very small version of it. Mm. Yeah, and so have the intellectual integrity uh, to maybe go on a bit of a journey to say, is there some things within this that I have missed mm-hmm. or that I was not aware of? 
um, because one, evangelicalism is a much bigger pond than many of us want to make it, and right. Christianity is a much bigger pond than evangelicalism wants to make it. Yes. Um, That's and very so true, yeah. <laughs> now that gets people in hot water. I mean, uh-huh. I, get, I take heat for that when I say stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, even, even within spiritual formation, I have guys that I've worked with and ministered with and and they they you know expressed concerns when they hear I've read you know Henry Nowen or something you know it's like oh are you becoming liberal and I'm like no I'm not like no, and again a caution like right. you know who are you know who we read and you know but but again be a critical thinker right um and and look at scripture yeah. you know don't just drink everything wholesale uh-huh. um, just because it's on your church bookshelf you know, it doesn't mean it, it. You don't have to be a critical thinker as mm-hmm. you you read it, yeah. um, and so well I, I think I think we can. That's an area of growth for all of us, mm-hmm. and it's back to this idea of tension. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a tension, and and to just like you said, wholesale, just stay over here, yeah. and this is where it's safe. Mm-hmm. You might find yourself uh, defending something other than Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you know maybe yeah. it becomes something else. Yeah. And that's coming from somebody who is, you know, a traditionalist in mm-hmm. my spiritual temperament, uh, six on the Enneagram, which is a loyalist. Mm-hmm. Like I am like, I'm all about like where I grew up and, you know, defend it to the end. Yeah. You know, I'm a reformer <laughs> from within the movement rather than a deconstruct and move without it. Right. That's my temperament, my mm-hmm. personality. Um, so, but yeah, I think it's, it's a worthwhile conversation mm-hmm. to have. And I think books like Foster can just give us a bigger, a bigger, more holistic understanding of mm-hmm. the move of God's spirit within the church throughout history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. <clears throat> um, so lastly, yes. And I think this is lastly in your class as well. Yep. So um, we have uh, a book and it's, it's fun to go through this and kind of, as you, as we talk about the books you read in the class, we're not going to give away. Maybe we're giving away a little too much, but it's a teaser. It's, it's a teaser. We have forty-five hours of lecture, so exactly. this is only one hour. So yeah, and it is um, very conversational lecture too, because mm-hmm. uh, that's one thing that you can't um, get in this podcast is that in this class, mm-hmm. everyone's drinking their coffee and they mm-hmm. sit around in circles and mm-hmm. they contribute to the conversation. And yeah. It's a personal, you know, it's really cool how yeah. that's done. Um, so something that you guys talk about is a rule of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, once again, I had never heard of a rule of life mm-hmm. before. So um, for for the, the lay people out there, what is mm-hmm. that? Yeah. What, what does that look like? Yeah, so the, the class has two main projects, um, two main writing projects. Uh, one is a spiritual autobiography, and that is written to kind of, again, bring that self-awareness, like where have you seen God at work in your life up until this point? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a reflection and then a rule of life, having taken much of the class, looked at, uh, Willard's VIM model vision and intention, the rule of life fits under the M, the means, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's, and now we get into practices, um, pathways, disciplines, things like that. Um, let me flip this on you. Um, when you hear, cause I do this with my students, mm-hmm. like when you hear rule of life, like particularly the idea of rule, what, mm-hmm. what comes to mind for you? Um, ha- do's and do nots, yep. I'd say. Okay. Yeah. So when I think of rules, <clears throat> I think of what you're okay. actually mostly what you're not supposed to do. Okay. Um, is but, it positive connotation, negative connotation? How do you feel when you hear rule? Uh, it's a negative. Okay. When I think, <laughs> yeah. My personality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
when I think of rules, I think of wanting to break them. <laughs> Just per- personally speaking, yeah, my no, wife good. would attest to that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's different for everyone. But yeah, that's you know my immediate. Um, when I think of rules themselves, that's mm-hmm. where I go. Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the first things we have to do in class, right? Mm-hmm. Is because if the main project is drafting or crafting a rule of life mm-hmm. and you're not alone in mm-hmm. your response, mm-hmm. we have to get over that hurdle. Yeah. Right. Especially after we've spent all of this time talking about like vision and intention and belonging and grace and God's work in our life. And now all of a sudden we start to talk about disciplines mm-hmm. and effort and it's like, and a rule. It's like, Oh, what, where, where's the, right. This feels disconnected. <laughs> it feels uh-huh. disjointed. Um, and so I always ask my students like, Hey, when you hear the word rule, what, what comes to your mind? Mm-hmm. Um, but it actually comes from the Greek word for trellis. So mm. we're, we're, we're circling back to, the, the farming, you know, agricultural imagery. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think about a trellis, I have a trellis on my, my front porch. You've been to my front yeah. porch. And so it's kind of a sacred space. If I have a sacred space, it's my front porch. Uh-huh. And so we sit on the front porch and we have these chairs. And to the left of me is this trellis. And I think it's honeysuckle that's growing up this mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. And it's beautiful and it smells great. And I enjoyed this plant in particular, because this trellis has given it the support it needs wow. for life, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. The trellis is not the thing. Mm-hmm. I don't look at the trellis and go, look at this trellis. Mm. This trellis is life. This trellis creates part of the sacred space. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't. I mean, it, right. it, it, it cultivates, it supports that piece of the front porch that brings this beautiful smell on summer evenings, right? Yeah. And so a rule of life draws its language from the concept of the trellis. And a trellis is a tool that allows the vine or whatever uh, to get off the ground mm. and to grow upward, wow. uh, enabling it to become more fruitful and productive. Um, and what's interesting is when you think about vines, it's part of a vine's nature to actually seek structure, even in the wild. Um, it will always look for something to kind of like mm. grow up. We had this tree in our backyard and we had ivy on it mm. and it just like took over and it just goes up, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so there's something within the nature of those plants to, to seek structure. And I think there's something in us mm. that on one hand we combat it because yeah. we feel like structure is limiting. Yeah. But I think intuitively we know mm. we're we're wired for some structure. Yeah. Now, some of us maybe need a little more mm-hmm. um, than others, but to say we need none, I, I don't think is accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so St. Benedict was one of uh, the first guys to kind of create a rule of life, mm-hmm. uh, St. Benedict of Nursia um, in the 4th and 5th century, or 5th and 6th century. Um you know, he put together a community of, of, of monks mm-hmm. and he created this common rule of life. And he says, what is this community? What is the structure of this community and how does it connect to yeah. Christ being formed in us and how we love one another within this community? And so mm-hmm. he, he wrote a short little book. It's called the rule of St. Benedict. And, um, it's an interesting thing, but his deal is, um, a rule is simply a handbook to make the very radical demands of the gospel a practical reality in daily life. Yeah. So it's that vision and intention and then means is the rule of life. Um, Shigematsu in his book, which is the third book we read in class called God in my everything. Mm -hmm. And he actually walks through 
crafting a rule of life. So the student that takes the class actually reads this book in conjunction with writing their own Mm -hmm. rule of life. Um, But he says a rule of life is simply a rhythm of practices that empowers us to live well and grow more like Jesus by helping us experience God in everything. So it's trying to take, um, it's trying to center all the areas of our life around the love of God, um, because all too often we can find ourselves unfocused, distracted, and adrift spiritually. Mm-hmm. And to say, okay, is there? We, we call it a living document mm-hmm. um, in our in our because it's not something. Again, I don't want. I wrote one in seminary, and I pull it up regularly in part because I get to show it for my class, so right. I regularly get yeah. to see it, but. I don't want a student to write this and then never look at it again. And I tell them that. I said, if you write this rule of life to get a grade and then you never pull it out again, like this, that was not the intention yeah. of this assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, there are legitimate papers that I've written that I've never looked at again. Oh, I gonna, hope yeah. <laughs> I hope this isn't one. Yeah. Now, maybe that's just the eternal optimist of a professor that thinks the assignment you prescribe, like your students are really going to take. Right. Um, but the nature of this is actually meant to like, assist you. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of freedom in the assignment for the student. Like it, it, it doesn't have to be formula, formatted a certain mm-hmm. way. I've had students do all sorts of things to, mm-hmm. to make, I, go, I want this to be personalized. I want yeah. this to work for you. Yeah. Um, and so it's to say, man, sometimes we just get adrift and we get distracted. And so I want something that I can come back to that both um, is descriptive mm-hmm. of the vision and then prescriptive that says, oh man, I find myself off and this rule of life assists in pointing me back to the path, mm-hmm. right? That yeah. that Jesus is inviting me to. Mm-hmm. So it supports and guides, it's descriptive and prescriptive. Mm-hmm. Um, again, uh, sh- uh, another author, Stephen Machia, would say the rule of life is descriptive and that it articulates our intentions and identifies the ways in which we want to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we fall short of those intention, the rule becomes prescriptive, showing us how we can return to the path that we have set before ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it's a conscious plan for developing uh, our spiritual life. Again, I want to reemphasize in conjunction with the spirit yeah. um, submitted to him. We have all these principles that we talk about um, as we build it. And I'm a, I won't belabor those. Mm-hmm. Um, but pastorally, um, if I could just add these two things about a rule of life, we talk about one, the danger of explicit models. So there's a danger in this. You write it and you think like, oh, this is it. And mm-hmm. you, you stop discerning. Yeah. You stop being sensitive to the spirit because you're like, oh, I now I have this document, this rule of rules, mm-hmm. you know, not, not rule in the trellis sense, but now these are rules that I'm going to keep. Right. And, and, and that, it, it can fool us into thinking that we understand more than we really do about what God is doing. Um, it can unintentionally explain away the mystery of God's spirit in our life. Like I can create the trellis on my porch, but there's a mystery to how this plant grows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can see what the trellis does yeah. and why it's valuable, but it's not the same as the growth that's happening in the plant. Right. Yeah. Well said. And yeah. sometimes we can put all the attention on the trellis mm-hmm. and, and look at this trellis. Isn't this trellis awesome? Look what I did to my trellis. I painted my trellis. Mm-hmm. I, I've got seven boxes on my trellis and my trellis <laughs> curves and twist. And you're just like, oh, but what about, the, where's the plant? Yeah. Like the trellis exists be, for the, to support the plant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we don't want to explain away mystery. Um, 
And yeah, and it can fool us into thinking that we're in charge of our own spiritual formation. Mm. Where, and I would go back to what we said originally in Corinthians, where Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God caused the yes. growth. Mm. Um, but I would also add pastorally, not only the danger of explicit spiritual models where a rule comes in, but what are the dangers of not having one? What are the dangers of not having some model of spiritual formation? Because that which is implicit has more power over us than that which is explicit. Um, that which is implicit is more powerful than that which is yeah. explicit. Yeah, so we are going back to Willard's concept. We are always being formed by something. Ah, uh, okay. Right? Not and cooking. sometimes the things that mm -hmm. we're least aware of mm -hmm. are forming us the deepest. Wow. They're, so it's like television, right? Mm -hmm. Like watching shows with my kids. And as a parent, I'm very conscientious of like this thing that they don't know mm -hmm. is shaping how they see reality. Yeah. And it is so powerful because mm -hmm. they think it's just entertaining them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not. It's shaping how they view reality. Yeah. Well said. It's, it's, it's implicit in the thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so being aware. So without some kind of explicit model, my own journey unwittingly becomes the model mm -hmm. and it's just kind of haphazard. And so we talk about that quite a bit in the class, but yeah. that's the final project and the whole class kind of culminates mm -hmm. to that. So, yeah, that's excellent. Is there anything you want to add? From that's it, man. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. Like, looking forward to it. We're offering it this fall, this fall Lord yeah. willing. Um, if we if we have enough mm -hmm. students, we'll we'll offer that. So we're excited to mm -hmm. to to do that. Um, it'll be my fourth, I think, fourth year mm -hmm. teaching the class. So looking forward to. Um, I'm always learning. I'm always reading. Like I said, I'm in an academy right now, and so I'm excited to kind of implement some of the things I'm continuing to learn and grow in in my own educational journey and spiritual formation within uh, the class. So there's always some new material mm -hmm. we tweak and. And grow. So yeah, I'm excited. So I'm. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Mm -hmm, absolutely, it's, fun, it's not too late to hop into that class. Nope. Uh, when this episode comes out, there will be plenty of time to register, yeah. apply for the school. Um, yeah, and highly recommend. Um, just, just an awesome, good experience. And and if you don't have the chance, or if you're hearing this from outside of the Rogue Valley, look into spiritual formation. You yeah. know, check out one of these books, um, The yep. Willard, if you feel like you're up yeah. to it. <laughs> yeah, just jump into the deep end. Yeah, exactly. Renovation of the Heart. So uh, anything by Willard is going to be good. Uh, do you want to tell us all the books? Here? Yeah, yeah so Renovation of the Heart by <laughs> Dallas Willard, uh, Streams of Living Water by Richard Foster, and then God in My Everything by Ken Shigematsu. Mm -hmm. um, and all of these authors have multiple books kind of in this vein. And so one book will kind of like yeah. begin your journey as you, you know, go from there so yeah well thank you so much yeah man thanks for having me yeah. appreciate it